0: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Now, one thing I'm not, HGTV, I mean, I think AstroTurf is beautiful, but I want to talk about something that is going to be so central in our lives moving forward, and that is Americans are going to go through a Radical transformation in how homeownership works. We're going back to the way things worked in America 50 and more years ago, and I'm going to explain that. It's going to change us and how we buy and own a house, and I'm getting that. Another thing that's going through an incredible change is... We have tens of millions of Americans who have hearing loss but have never done anything about it because they couldn't afford to. Well, that's all changing, and I wanted to tell you about the opportunity and the pitfalls of what's happening in the next few weeks. So if you go back in American history or you look at countries elsewhere in the world, When people bought a home in the United States, up until really this started changing in the 1970s, people would stay in a home, the first home they bought, that was their home. There was no concept of a starter home, really, except rarely that you'd go into your first home. And then after a few years, you'd move to a newer, bigger home. And then a while after that, you move to another home and then you'd cycle into this fourth home and on like that. What people used to do was when they bought that first home, they chose a neighborhood as best they could. They were going to have kids with a school district that seemed fine. And they would live in that, raise their kids in it, get into old age in it. And then maybe at that point, after typically 30 or more years of ownership, they would sell it. Well, that's definitely not been our cycle of ownership in the United States in the last two generations. Americans tend to live in a home typically for uh, five to nine years, kind of that cycle. That cycle's breaking right now, and it's breaking because of the banking scandals that started in 2007. Because we went through a 15 year period of artificially low mortgage rates. They were manipulated down by the feds to try to keep the economy breathing in the aftermath of the second worst financial calamity we've had in the last hundred and something years because of the unwinding of all the problems from the banking scandals. And so people have locked in at all these incredible rates. Krista of our crew has a mortgage under 2%, 1 point something percent. So she going to move? No. No. Why would you move? You're not going to move because if you move, you then have today's interest rates at where you go. And so you're talking five sixes, which ironically enough, by historical standards, would have been a great rate. But by what people locked in over these last 15 years, the rates have been so low from the luckiest people, first digit starting in a one, to pretty much somewhere first digit ones to first digit threes. So people who in the past would have had itchy feet and say, oh, well, I'd like this bigger house, or I'd like this, or I'd like that. If we don't have this at this house, I'd like to go to that house. And historically, if you really wanted a house that was larger, more modern, had more features, it was cheaper to move and buy that than to renovate and add on where you are. And the reason is the cost per square foot of renovations and additions is many times higher than the cost of that square footage if you move to a place that has what you were looking for. So now all those formulas that worked in the past suddenly are all gummed up because if you go from, let's say, just for argument's sake, a 3% mortgage to a 6% mortgage, from the old house to a new house, the numbers are very hard to make work because your payment, your carry cost, because the much higher interest rate, doubling the interest rate is so much that it becomes a backbreaking thing financially, potentially to move. So we are going to have uh, not quite a generation, a 15 year cycle of home buyers that are going to have specific, clear financial reasons that you stay in place instead of move. So that means when you want to improve that home, when you want to redo something, when you want to add on a new primary bedroom, whatever it is, now you are talking about renovating, hiring a renovation contractor, a home improvement contractor, and they have been as busy as they've ever been in recent times, and the cost of doing those things has gone way, 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 way up. So we're going into a new economic cycle, this one also engineered by the Federal Reserve, and they are going to push us till they have slowed the economy and they brought some financial hurt into the economy to try to wring all the inflation out of the economy. They're going to, I mean, the inflation we've had is not going to end up baked in the long-term cake unless they lose their resolve. So as part of this process, the economy will slow, and it means that the cost of materials for doing a home improvement will decline, and the home improvement contractors that have been busier than they've ever been ever are going to still do fine. They're just not going to be manically busy. So, there will be opportunities, if you're financially okay, to live in the place you live in, to be able to renovate or add on, but not yet. There's already clear bending of the cost curve. It was going up, 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 and up with home improvement, construction, renovation, addition, but we're still not at the point where it started to come back to more normal pricing. But the big run-up is pretty much over, barring some extremely unexpected event in the world. Not just unexpected, it have to be extremely unexpected in this case. So if you're going to hire a contractor, I need you to be really, really careful when you're going to bid a job. It requires real effort on your part to be very specific with the scope of work, very specific with what you're expecting on a timeline that if there's very clear level of materials you want used, it needs to be stated. The biggest problems that occur with renovations and additions are when people go in with rose-colored glasses and kind of get ahead of themselves and jump in with both feet without really thinking through what's it all going to cost and What I'm thinking in my head, the contractor can't be a mind reader and he or she may not know that we would like this level of finishes versus this level. You need to do the good work up front on your part to be very, very clear with yourself. And when you bid out with different contractors, what it is you want, the more specific you are the more likely it is that you're not going to have a bill shock later because what you thought and what the contractor thought are two completely different things. Even when you do all that, though, things can go wrong. You can end up with a fly-by-night. You can end up with somebody who does substandard work. You can end up with a thief. So it's really important that you go through the hard steps of checking up on a contractor looking at jobs they've done people who've had a renovation or addition done they're so proud of what they've done many times they'll say come on over let me show you okay what worked what didn't work was it on time did you have some real surprises on the bills asking these kind of questions up front because when you get involved once you've hired that home improvement contractor it's like you've married him or her and it's not easy to get divorced, right? It's definitely not easy to get divorced from a home improvement contractor or renovation contractor. So you want to do the heavy lifting up front so you don't get burned later. Chris, I forget, were you 1.99 or 1.75% on your mortgage?
1: 1.875. One
0: point. See, I was wrong. Both guesses were wrong. Yeah. Have you met anybody who has a lower mortgage rate than you? I haven't. Wow.
1: Okay. Let's go to a couple of questions that have to do with home improvement. Wendy in Tennessee says my above ground pool has sprung a leak and it needs to be replaced. When's the best time to do that in order to get the best deal?
0: So the pool business is a true pandemic puppy. I mean, the <laughs> pool industry it was busier than it had ever been because suddenly people were stuck at home so much and So people wanted pools like Matt. I don't know how contractors are these days, pool contractors, on the backlog. If they've worked it off and they're actually interested in having new clients again, I'd say it's not so much calendar time as it is has the cycle started to cool on the pools. And if it has, and contractors, again, actually return phone calls, because, I mean, the complaints we kept hearing from people during the pandemic is you couldn't get any pool contractor to ever call you to even come look and quote you a job. Mm -hmm. So as far as when the cycle is best, once we go back to more normal times, nobody's really thinking, I mean, you're in Tennessee you start looking fall winter nobody's really thinking about hey wouldn't it be great to have a pool Mm -hmm. so usually winter time in a normal year would be the best time to get the repair done by a pool contractor but again i don't know if this uh huge huge demand for getting swimming pools has cooled yet and you'll know just from talking to contractors, if they're like, yeah, I can get to you in 2026 uh, or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you'll know.
1: All right. And from John in Ohio, I recently bought a house. I lived in a rental home for 16 years. Upon moving out, the landlord presented a bill for damages and $400 and kept our deposit, which was 950 We knew our cat scraped the wooden
0: windowsill,
1: but the landlord charged $400 to refinish it.
0: Wait a minute, wait, wait. This was a landlord for a 16-year tenant? Yep. And the landlord is going after the tenant for $400? Yeah.
1: Well, it kept their deposit of 950
0: Why did they keep the deposit?
1: John didn't say. And he says, I just want listeners to know they must request a walkthrough with the landlord when moving out. It would have prevented these massive overcharges due on our move out. We gave the landlord five weeks notice and felt like they should have reminded us to do this review But during that time. They have so many properties, and I'm sure we just got taken advantage of. Since the bill was presented after move-out, we had no way to go back and fix the items in question.
0: Okay, so John, uh, if your landlord is a professional landlord, which it sounds like, uh, there may be, uh, most states have very clear landlord-tenant laws, and you may find that Your landlord, John, has not followed the law in Ohio on a proper move in and move out inspection, in which case they are not entitled to keep money if they've not complied with the law required of landlords. Now, I said professional landlords. In many states, there will be rules that are imposed on what each state may classify as a professional landlord, often. 10 or more properties, but it can vary by state, obviously. And so your best bet is to check what the Ohio landlord-tenant law is, and there should be a handbook available to both landlords and tenants where you're able to read what the landlord was required to do in terms of proper inspection and proper notice in order to first keep the security deposit – and second, bill you for damages. One thing I will tell you, uh, your case is unusual. 16 years with this landlord is anytime you're moving out of an apartment or a rental home or anything like that. Oh, so Ohio has they have it online. a landlord-tenant handbook that is available online. You found it in like eight seconds. Yep. you go so to It's c- pretty easy. Codes.ohio.gov codes.ohio.gov, bam, and there it is. It goes section by section what your obligations are, what the landlord's obligations are, and goes through clearly how rent deposits work in Ohio. Anytime you rent an apartment or a house, any damage that exists when you're moving in must be noted by you up front to protect yourself. Second, when you move out, You want to fix anything that's wrong, any damage, because it will be much cheaper for you to repair it than what the landlord will charge you. And third, you want to document. You want to take your phone, shoot extensive video room by room of the condition of the property when you moved out or take clear pictures of each room in the apartment or home that you're renting so that you can clearly demonstrate the condition that you have returned it in. Remember, though, fix anything and everything before you move out to prevent having a landlord come after you for money. So my wife says that I don't hear well, and so I had a hearing test. And I'll tell you the results of my hearing test straight ahead and why it applies to you. (laughs) So, my wife says that I don't hear her. So, uh, when I was at the doctor, at my annual physical, they did a hearing test. Sure enough, I didn't do well on that hearing test. So, I thought, well, maybe my wife's right. Maybe my hearing has deteriorated. So, I went to see an audiologist and had an extensive hearing test. and. I passed with flying colors, no degradation of hearing. So how did I flunk the one at the doctor's office then do okay with the audiologist? The issue is I fly all the time and you can have temporary decline in your hearing apparently because of excessive flying. In fact, my son who's training to be a pilot, when he passed his FAA physical for uh, being a pilot, the doctor talked extensively about how damaging to hearing flying is and how important ear protection was. And so now I wear, I always wear um, noise cancel headphones when I'm flying for that reason, but I digress. So now my wife knows that I'm just a typical male with selective hearing, because it's funny, a woman remembers everything you ever said. It's just a fact. I don't know how. But can quote back everything you've ever said verbatim. And we as guys can't seem to remember anything. And so it turns out maybe I don't need hearing assistance, hearing aids. But when I do, I will be happy to wear them because I don't want to miss anything. And we have tens of millions of Americans who can't hear well. They either don't wear hearing aids because they tried and they were uncomfortable, but most often they don't even get them because they're a zillion dollars. Well, the average cost of hearing aids in the United States, 2700 bucks, And that's actually down from where it was. Around the rest of the world, hearing aids are like 200 bucks. The great news is in just weeks, we're going to see prices fall, fall, fall over time, to world standards because we have had a cartel situation in the united states that five years ago congress passed a law to break the cartel and then the cartel used its dirty money and political influence in washington to delay 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 and now finally the new hearing aid law is taking effect in just the next few weeks you'll start seeing Hearing aids appear just about anywhere. They'll be on the shelf in discount stores. They'll be on the shelf anywhere you go. They would normally sell any kind of medical device or hearing device. You're going to see a lot of of people who build headphones, earpieces. I'm expecting Apple. I'm expecting Bose. I'm expecting all these people to issue very sophisticated and affordable. Hearing aids, and these are real FDA approved hearing aids that will be available for a couple of hundred bucks. Except Apple will be like three times that, probably. But anyway, they're going to introduce these things, and it's going to be such an open market that there's going to be a lot of stuff on the market that'll be junk and it'll take a while for it to settle down. But these are for mild or moderate hearing loss. Somebody who has extreme hearing loss, these are not for you. But huge percent of baby boomers listen to a lot of really loud acid rock music through the years, went to a lot of really loud concerts, and the repetition of all that damaged hearing, and you're missing things. You go to a party, you go to an event, you can't hear other people. You're in a quiet room Maybe you can still hear. That's kind of a way of thinking about it. If you can't hear, even in a quiet room with one other person talking to you, you don't have mild or moderate hearing loss. You got the real full deal and you need full court press medical professional help. But if you're the kind of person who in a restaurant, a crowded restaurant, you're not able to hear somebody. Talking to you, who's the next person or across the table, you have mild to moderate hearing loss. And the hearing aid industry is going to innovate like mad now that it's free market. And there's going to be all kinds of innovative devices tied into your smartphone and the rest that will make it much, much easier for you to find something that's comfortable, that's small, portable, easily rechargeable. And most important, at world prices instead of our idiotic cartel prices we've had in the United States for all these years. I have a basic guide to these changes on Clark.com. There's going to be more and more stories coming out on TV and print over the next few weeks online. You'll see a lot more about these new much, 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 much more affordable hearing aids and then before you know it consumer reports will be reviewing all the new ones you can buy over the counter and all that we'll have good information about what are actually the best choices of the ones to buy krista
1: okay i've got a related question to start out with from elaine in north carolina since the new hearing aid program is going into effect do you think this will impact the pricing at Costco? I purchased hearing aids from them a while ago, and I'm thinking of getting new ones.
0: Yeah, Costco and Sam's Club both—the prices on their hearing aids have come down, down, down over time. Right now, I think we're talking about with both of them somewhere under fifteen hundred. And yes, that is uh, much lower than the average in the marketplace, but much higher than what we're going to see in the future. And I think almost certainly. Within the next many months, not the next month, but many months, you'll see on the shelf at Costco and Sam's and BJ's Wholesale Club, you'll see over-the-counter FDA-approved hearing aids at very, very good prices in the hundreds, no longer in the thousands.
1: And from John of Wisconsin, Clark, sorry to bother you about this, but it is, oh, to bug you about this. That's important that I say it that way. But it is money related given how expensive it is to rid a home of bed bugs. Ugh. You travel way more than we do, and we would love to hear if you've had any creepy crawlier encounters. We inspect the bedding right when we get into a room. Do you look for or have ever seen bed bugs in your hotel rooms?
0: So this is terrible. When Lane and I are traveling together, She immediately, when we get into a hotel room, she pulls all the covers back and she does a full bed bug inspection.
1: You look for blood marks too on the mattress from them biting. Okay. She must
0: look at all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So you do that too?
1: Yeah, I was bitten by bed bugs one time in a hotel room, and so now I check it out.
0: Did you bring them back to your house?
1: No, i I was staying there for a longer term, and I moved rooms and showed them what happened. Like all this, I just had blood all over my ankle, like these little bites, like Ooh. from the night before, all over, like from my ankle up. And so I moved rooms and made sure my everything in my suitcase was okay.
0: Fun. Wow. So. You know what, Lane says if we ever had that happen at a hotel, we come home with no suitcase.
1: Yeah, I probably should. She didn't
0: want to bring anything back into the house, but it's never happened to us. And I travel much more than she does. And I actually never check. Mm. No excuse for that, right? All right. So, John, thank you for bugging me about this. (laughs) My wife's obviously right because. I forgot that it happened to you, Krista, as well. So I'm going to do a better job.
1: And from Diana, Minnesota, this is about currency going totally digital. Will cash in hand not be able to be used at all? Only debit cards? How about selling things online? Will we next be paying taxes on these items? Could we get audited if selling things online?
0: Okay, great question. So anytime you look at anything where talk about us going all digital in some way, electronic payments, you then do create clearly for the government a much easier way to track and trace. It's like what's been going on with people who do side work Mm -hmm. and they're using Venmo or Cash App or they're using the evil Zelle or PayPal. PayPal that now It's pretty easy for the government to track, and there's a new procedure to track you if you're getting a lot of money through any of those. So, yes, living a cash basis makes it much easier to hide transactions and side work from the IRS. So, only one country I know of in Scandinavia, I'm trying to remember, is it Sweden that's gone all cash, all uh, electronic. Electronic. Somebody's gone all electronic. I don't see that happening in the United States for an extended period of time. More and more transactions will be digitized, and uh, paper checks as they exist today will not exist in the future because there's such a problem with paper checks and money being stolen from people using paper checks and all that, but not carrying around any money at all and being able to use money. I think the generally more frontiery, libertarian kind of spirit we have in the United States, I think it'll be a good, good, good while. We will trail the rest of the world and going all digitized money. I don't think that's going to happen quickly here. But your suppositions are correct, Diane. If everything's digitized, it does make it much easier for government of all types to track what we do, how we do and sources of income and spending. So, cash, if you're trying to hide what you're doing is a much better way to do things. Not, not that encouraging we recommend it. it. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> not encouraging that. it. Not encouraging tax evasion ever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that your supposition is correct. And I want to tell you that's it for today's podcast. But if you enjoy what you're hearing on our podcast, please subscribe at whatever your favorite podcast source is so that you don't miss an episode.